I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and find the very first book in the Bible, Genesis. Genesis. And I'm going to ask you to find chapter 21 in the very first book. Now, while you're turning there, I'm going to quote a verse from the New Testament because my area is New Testament and Greek. Even though I'm preaching from the Old Testament, I still got to get the New Testament in at some point. But actually, in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So if I were to ask you this evening, well, how did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Um, hopefully, uh, you, you would be thinking, well, by faith. Uh, I, I received the Lord by faith. And so if we can take the Apostle Paul at face value, when he says, just as we've received the Lord, we are to walk in Him, Paul's saying that we're supposed to walk by faith. And so not only do we exercise faith at the moment of salvation when we confess to Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I've realized that I have been going my own way, I need help, and I come to you, Lord Jesus, and ask you to save me. So not only do we exercise faith when we ask Jesus to become Lord of our lives and repent of our sins and turn to Him for salvation, but if we take the rest of the verse that Paul writes there, our whole lives are to be a walk of faith. And that we're to walk by faith. And we're to go to work on Monday by faith. And we're to go to school by faith especially in Greek and Hebrew class. Uh, we're to go to school by faith and we're to, you name it, we are to walk by faith. That walk of faith, we encounter barriers. And there are barriers to our lives of faith. And that's why we come to the Old Testament this evening. I want you to see some of the barriers that an Old Testament a personality named Abraham encountered from time to time and see what we can learn from Abraham as we seek to walk by faith. Now, in chapter 21 of Genesis, I'm going to read just the first five verses because that kind of gives us the picture, the jumping off place for our Bible study this evening. This is what we read. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Now when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. 100 years old when his son was born to him. Now, if you know a little bit about the story of Abraham, and you come, if we skipped all that and just came to Genesis chapter 21, we would read this story and we might see, wow, Isaac was born. Abraham was 100. Sarah was in her 90s. And it was a miracle. And even as we read here, God kept his promise like he had, had said. And it's all good. And all those statements are true. However, if we skip the first 20 chapters of Genesis 
and just came to chapter 21, we would miss a whole component of the life of Abraham and how he came to this point right here where God granted his promise. And so that's what I want us to look at this evening. It wasn't always rosy like we might read in chapter 21 here. And so what are some obstacles to faith that Abraham encountered? Well, turn back to Genesis chapter 12. There are three obstacles over the next two and a half hours I want to mention to you. <laughs> okay, no, no. Over the next little bit, there are three, <laughs> there are three obstacles to faith that I, I just want you to be aware of from the Bible this evening. What's the first one? Well, from Genesis chapter 12, the first obstacle to our faith is something called initial inertia. Initial inertia. Now, if you, were to, if you go home tonight and pull out Webster's Dictionary off a shelf and look up the word inertia, you'll see this definition. Inertia means a property of matter by which it remains at rest or in uniform motion in the same straight line unless acted upon by some external force. Now, I'm a teacher, and so uh, there's going to be a quiz about that definition at the end. So do you need me to repeat? No. So if you were to look at Webster's, that's what you would find. So it's the property of matter by which it remains at rest or stays in some straight line unless it's acted upon by some external force. Now, I want you to know I've thought about that definition. And there are two phrases that really stand out to me about that definition. The first is, remains at rest. The second phrase that stands out to me, same straight line. Now, can I confess something to you this evening? Those two phrases describe most Christians I know. They're at rest. Well, they're just moving in the same straight line. They don't want anybody to bother them. Unless acted upon, as the rest of the definition says, by some external force. That's what Abraham got in Genesis chapter 12. He was acted upon by an external force. Now look at Genesis chapter 12. And let me just read a couple of verses there. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I was listening to Jeff talk about going to Thailand. And I remember when God was working in my heart to call us to go to Brazil. Now, at least I had an idea of where we were going. I'd never been to Brazil. But I'm not sure I would have, I can stand here and honestly say I would have had the faith of Abraham if God had just said, get up and go, and I'll just show you along the way where you're going. That's what God said. Go. Leave your family. Leave your relatives, leave your work, leave your business, leave everything that's normal, comfortable, and familiar to you, and just go, and I'll show you along the way. That's what God said to, to Abram. Verse 2 says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. 
and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God has spoken. That's an external force in our lives. And one of the obstacles, one of the barriers we face in our life of faith is that initial inertia. When God speaks, what are we going to do? When God says go, what are we going to do? When God says feed bikers a free meal, how are we going to respond? When God says have VBS, when God says go to Thailand, <laughs> are you kidding Thailand? Yeah. When God says go, we've got a decision to make. I want you to look at the next three words in Genesis chapter 12. So Abram said, well, Lord, I've got to think about this one for a moment. No, what's your Bible say? Abram did what? God said go. Abram went. God said go. Abram went. One of the barriers to a life of faith, I mean really stepping out on the Lord and honoring Him and doing what He says, one of the barriers we all face is that initial inertia. Because sometimes we're at rest. Sometimes we're just in the same straight line and we're comfortable and we know what the routine's going to be like and, and I know what my day is, is, is going to be like and I've got my calendar on my PDA or my ABC or my ESPN or whatever it is and I know what life's like and I like that but sometimes that external force comes and says Sean Chris or Patty or Jeff and says go and we've got a decision that we have to make. Well, a first barrier that we all face in a life of faith is initial inertia. Well, there's a second barrier that we all face as we seek to walk with the Lord. And it's also uh, described or exemplified by the life of Abraham. Turn to chapter 15. The second barrier that we face in our life of faith to walk with the Lord, is doubt. Doubt. And we see that in Abraham's life. Look at chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 1 says this, After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Well, Lord, what can you give me since I am childless? See, God had promised him you're going to have a, a child. That was three chapters ago. And now, still no child. And Abram says, well, Lord, what, what can you give me since I don't have a child? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So Abraham, I'm sorry, Abram continued, Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now, in just these first three verses, and a couple of verses later that I'll read, we see doubt in the life of Abram, and we see it expressed in two ways. And I'm not going to speak for you, but I know even in my own life, I've seen doubt expressed in these two ways. What are these two ways? 
Well, number one, I just read it to you in verse three. I hadn't seen anything happen yet. You ever said that to God? Well, no, Sean, I'm too spiritual to say that to God. Have you ever thought it? Even if you hadn't said it out loud. I have. God, you, you made a promise to me. You told me such and such and such, whatever it was, you can fill in the blank. And I'm not seeing anything happen yet. That's what Abram said. Well, God, I don't have a child. You told me I was going to have one. I don't see anything happening yet. Sometimes we express doubt, and it comes out in that fashion. Well, God, you said, but I don't see, or I'm not seeing anything happen. But there's a second way we see doubt expressed in Abram's life, and it comes a little bit later. Look at verses 7 and 8, same chapter, chapter 15. Now, God's continuing to talk to Abram, and they're dialoguing. Verse 7, God speaks and says to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abram said, Lord God, how can I know that I will possess it? Have you ever asked God that question? How can I know what you're saying is true? How can I know what you're saying is true? Or maybe you've asked it this way. Can I have a sign? Can I have a sign? I've done that. I've asked for signs or indications or something. I mean, you read in the Old Testament, sometimes people ask for signs. Uh, who was it, uh, Gideon, that put out the, the, uh, the fleece and, and asked for, for, for a sign? Uh, and so you see some examples at different times. God, God was visible sign to the children of Israel leading them through the wilderness. He was the, the pillar of fire by night and he was a cloud by day. And so they followed him because they could see him. Well, sometimes I confess I, I can't see God. At least with this pair of eyes. And I, I wonder, well Lord, how can I know? You've said... This, for my life. But how can I know? See, Abraham was not a lot different from me and you. He expressed doubt in his walk with the Lord. God had given him a promise. God said, here, I'll make you a great nation. You're going to be blessed. People all over the world are going to be blessed because of you. And you come now three chapters over from chapter 12 when the promise was initially given. And Abraham says, well, Lord, I ain't seen anything happening. Well, Lord, how can I know? But you know what I'm thankful for in chapter 15? Not only do we see the doubt expressed, but we see that God continues to be patient with Abram, and he gives him his reassurance. And he affirms his promise to Abram in at least two ways. Doubt was expressed in at least two ways. God affirms his promise in at least two ways. What are those? First, his presence. God's presence. Well, I tell you what, I'm so thankful in the New Testament that several times we read, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. By God's very presence, we get affirmation, confirmation, reassurance that we're walking in the way we ought to be walking. But there's a second area that we see in the life of Abram from which reassurance comes. And, and how's that? Well, God gives reminders from his word. He gives reminders from his word. Five times in the first 13 verses of chapter 15, you see that God spoke to Abram, or a phrase like this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. God spoke. The word of the Lord came. God spoke. word of the Lord came. See, in the midst of all his doubt, God was still speaking. And a word of the Lord came. And a word of the Lord came. And see, in the midst of our doubts, if we'll continue to read this, God can speak to us and give us reassurance and reaffirm what He's promised that He'll do in our lives. Uh, about uh, two years ago, I'll give you an example from, from my life. About two years ago, actually, it may have been a, a little more than two years ago, uh, my wife and I, since we'd been back from Brazil, my wife had homeschooled our kids. And when uh, our oldest son, who's now 18 and getting ready to graduate and go off to college, uh, when, when he was getting ready to go into the eighth grade, we just began to evaluate the homeschooling situation. We felt like he needed more, so we, we prayed, and we decided we'd put him in a Christian school. Well, the next year, our second child, Nikki, turned, uh, went into the eighth grade, and we thought, well, it's time to put her in. So we put her in. Well, the next year, our third child, another, our second daughter, went into the eighth grade. We were going to put her in, but both my wife and I just felt really impressed that we ought to go ahead and make the leap and put the final two in at the same time. And so um, we had prayed about that and just really felt strongly. That's what God wanted us to do. Now, there was a heavy financial obligation to put the kids in Christian school. My wife was not working full-time. In fact, she was in school working on a master's degree. And so we just we felt like it was the right thing, though. And I can remember... Uh, it, during that year that I was reading through God's Word. And I read through one morning. Sometimes I like to read through the Psalms on a regular basis. And I was reading through Psalm 37. And in Psalm 37, uh, uh, David writes that God says He'll give you the desires of His heart, of your heart. And I read that, and I just really felt comfort. And I thought, okay, Lord, that's from you, I know. So, so Laura's going to get in school. And so we, we applied and, but there wasn't a slot in sixth grade for Laura. And so Lee got in. There was a slot in eighth grade. No problem. We got to uh, about June. No, about, uh, well, May or June. We st uh, still hadn't heard anything about Laura. School's supposed to start in August. And here's what's interesting thing. So my wife's not working full time. But because of work and different things, we already had money in the bank for Laura to go to school. <laughs> God had given us some money, just hadn't opened up a door yet for her to be in class. And so I thought, man, Lord, we hadn't heard anything from the school, and I'm really trying to be patient. I'm trying not to express doubt, but I'm not winning the battle, and I'm, I'm getting doubtful. And one day uh, over in June, uh, classes are out. I just happen to be at the seminary, and a prospective student comes by, and I was uh, had the opportunity to 
show the prospective student the campus and talk to him about the school. And we have some housing. And I took him over and showed, the, showed him the housing. I didn't tell him anything about my family, anything about my situation, anything about Psalm 37 and how I felt like God spoke to me. And before we left, he said, can I pray for you? Well, now, who's going to turn down prayer? Uh, yeah, please, would you, you pray for me? And you know what he prayed? That God would give me the desires of my heart. And I just thought, Lord, how do you know that? That's exactly what I needed to hear. Well, June passes. We still hadn't heard about Laura. It's two months now till the beginning of school. July comes, and I happen to be at the seminary again. And at this time, I'm talking to the former director, Dr. Shepard's wife, Peggy. And we were just talking in the uh, copy room, hadn't seen her in a while. And she was asking about school, and I explained to her, you know, that we're trying to get the girls in, into school. I hadn't said anything to her about Psalm 37. You know what she said to me in the copy room? She said, well, if, if uh, you guys want Laura to be there, I know God will give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> and I thought, okay, Lord. He's just continuing to prompt me and reassure me. And, well, we get to August. School's supposed to start in a month. Hadn't heard anything about Laura. And I'm trying to be patient, uh, not call and hound the, the administration at the school. But we're getting to a point, really, where we have to know something because if, if we got a homeschool, well, we got to figure something out. And so my wife and I are sitting one morning just talking about the situation, and she said to me, there is not, there's absolutely nothing that we can do. And I remember sitting there that morning thinking, you know what? That's right. And sometimes that's a place God has to get us before he can work. Where we'll stop doing and just say, okay, Lord, you, you, you've said you're going to do something. Okay. And I remember sitting in a chair. She was laying on a couch, and we'd been talking. And she said that, and I just thought, you're exactly right. There is absolutely nothing we can do. <laughs> what a neat place to be in. Because I know somebody that can do something. And so a couple of weeks later, I called the school. I waited. And I thought, well, we need to hear something. And I'm at peace now with whatever happens. That's, money's in the bank. I feel like God's spoken to me. So I called the school. The principal was in a meeting. I thought, okay, well, will you have her call me back? So the principal calls me back. And she said, I'm sorry I missed your call. I was in a meeting. We were talking about your daughter, Laura. And she said, uh, there still is not a slot for her in sixth grade but we're going to make an exception. And she said, I'm telling you right now on the phone, your daughter can come to school. And I, I just broke down because it's been a long time since I'd had been in a situation where I felt like God said, this is a thing you ought to do. And we had to wait, and we had to wait, and we had to wait. And I confess, I was like Abram. I expressed doubt. I thought, God, we are not seeing anything happen over there. I thought, God, how can I know that really Psalm 37 was for me in that situation? Well, doubt's a barrier. It's a huge barrier that each of us face as we seek to walk in faith. Well, uh, lest you really think I'm going to keep you here two hours, let me move to the last point of this message. Three barriers that we all face in our life of faith. The first is initial 
inertia. The second one is doubt. The third one that we also see from the life of Abraham is impatience. Do any of you ever get impatient? Answer me quick. <laughs> A little impatient. Okay, never mind. Uh, impatience. Look at chapter 16 of Genesis. Let me re just read the first couple of verses. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne him children. What a statement. Four chapters now. Since the initial promise, we still see she's not born him children. But she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps I can have children by her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Impatience. Impatience manifests itself in our lives in two ways, and we see them in Abraham's life. First, we try to help God out. Have you ever done that? Try to help God out. Lord, I, I, I know you told me this, but um, it, it's not quite working out like I thought. Let me help you out. I know the answer to this prayer, and, and you're not giving it to me just yet. <laughs> I know how I want it to be answered, and let me just help you out. So, Abram and Sarai, it's been four chapters since they've had a promise that they're going to have a child, no child. So they're just sitting around and, and talking. And Sarai says, well, I've not had any children up till now. Uh, why don't we do it this way? Let's help God out. And then the verse 2 says, Abram agreed to what Sarai said. See, sometimes we express impatience in our lives when we seek to help God out. Well, Lord, it's not quite working out like I wanted, thought it would here, so let's do it this way. Let's work the plan this way. Let's work the angle this way. If we just do this, it'll work. But there's a second way impatience manifests itself in our lives. Come now to chapter 17 and look at a couple of verses with me in chapter 17. Let me begin reading in verse 15 to, get, to kind of give you the whole context here. God said to Abram, God's still talking to him. God said to Abram, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abram fell to the ground and laughed. Wow. Have you ever laughed at God? Oh, no, Sean, I'm too spiritual for that. Well, maybe in your heart, if you hadn't done it outwardly, maybe in your heart, you've just kind of chuckled and thought, <laughs> God, are you kidding me? God said, Sarah's still going to have a, a, a child. That's my promise. And Abram <laughs> laughed at that and thought in his heart, can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Well, that's a pretty good question. Look at the rest of the verse. Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? So Abram said to God, If only Ishmael could live in your presence. Here's the second way impatience manifests itself in our lives. 
sometimes we're willing to settle for less than what God has for us. Sometimes we're willing to settle. Can't, won't Ishmael do? He's 13. He's potty trained. He's, he's set. Won't he do? God, can't that work? And look at the first four words of verse 19. But God said no. <laughs> Please don't settle for less than what God has for you. Please don't settle for less. Don't settle for Ishmael when Isaac could just be a few months away. Don't settle for this when God's promise could just be right over the horizon. But we do that, don't we? We get impatient, and in our impatience, we do those, both of those things. We want to help God out. Lord, I know you're busy. You've got people all over the world. Um, and I'm just here in Schenectady. Let me help you out. We, we want to help him out. Or secondly, we're willing to settle for less. kind of scares me sometimes to think in my walk with the Lord how many times I've done that. Just settled for less than what God really had for me. Well, as we walk with the Lord, we encounter barriers to our faith, initial inertia. We remain at rest. We like that. Or we like that straight line where nobody's bothering us. I got my routine, and I'm just there. Or secondly, doubt. We express doubt. We can express doubt by saying, well, God, I haven't seen anything yet. You promised me this. I haven't seen anything. God, you promised me this. How can I know it's going to happen? And sometimes we express impatience. And we express impatience by trying to help God out or being willing to settle for less than what God has. As you walk with the Lord, you'll encounter those barriers, just like Abraham did. And as you walk with the Lord, I hope, just as Abraham did, you'll remember God's presence with you, and you'll continually go to God's Word so you can get affirmation, confirmation, encouragement, and assurance that God's going to do what He said He was going to do. Well, let me close in prayer, and then I'll turn the service back over to Pastor Chris. Well, Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity this evening to study Your Word here. I'm so thankful for the story of Abraham and what we can learn from him. God, I, I just confess, I know for me personally, sometimes it's kind of hard to walk by faith on a regular basis. And I encounter these obstacles, uh, the doubt, the inertia, the impatience, and I wrestle with those things. And I pray that you'd continue to help me, just like you did Abraham, remember your presence and to remember the encouragement I can receive from your word. God, thank you for speaking to us tonight through your word. And God, if you have spoken to a heart tonight about something, um, I just pray that they would take a moment to talk to you and to get that worked out with you. And so I pray this in Jesus' name.